Please open your Bibles to James, the general epistle of James, toward the end of your New Testaments, and let us take up the lessons that this inspired writer of Scripture gave us from the Holy Spirit. James chapter 1. I want to quickly go straight into the lessons of this first chapter. We briefly reviewed some of them last Lord's Day, but due to a long introduction and the Lord's Supper, we cut short our study of some of these words, and we want to take the time now to look at it more closely. It would be foolish on our part and irreverent to race ahead and miss the wisdom that is so practical here in these first few verses of this chapter. I want to read lesson number one to you again from verses two through four of this first chapter of James. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Oh, I think we should spend a little time here. If there are in these three verses information and instruction for us to be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, we should pay close attention to what they have to say. My brethren, James is writing to his brethren, and he doesn't mean my brothers of Israel and Jewish origin from Abraham. He means my brothers in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will call them his beloved brethren. He will say that they have been begotten already. And he will say that they are holding the faith, the doctrine or gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are in verses that we will come to. These are God's children, converted Israelites, scattered abroad in the nations of the Roman Empire to whom James wrote. He says, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. We must count it. All joy. Because the flesh never considers pain to be a good thing. What we are dealing here are with temptations. Because the man writes to us by the Holy Spirit, Count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. These temptations we understand here to be afflictions, troubles, distresses, persecutions, infirmities, disappointments bereavements, oppression, pain and trouble, trials, tribulations, difficulties that have faced us in our lives. And he says to count it all joy when you fall into them. When we face these kind of things in our lives, and we do, and we will, and we shall, until the Lord comes. In preparing to speak to you this morning, I went through these rows of brothers and sisters of mine and of you, and thought about each of your lives. And I could come out of this pulpit right now, as I'm prone to do at times, and walk down this center aisle and tell each one of you at least one tribulation or trial or temptation that I know is in your life. Because I know most of them. I know many of them. I shouldn't say most of them because I know that you have many that you struggle with privately. This is the lot of a child of God. The Bible said, as we started this morning, in Psalm 34 and 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. But there are many of them. And they are going to come, and so we have advice given to us here, and instruction from the God, the Holy Spirit, on how we're to face them, and how we are to respond to them. We are to count them all joy. Now, no natural man would ever think this, nor would a natural man teach it, nor would a natural man hear it, because it doesn't make any sense to a natural man to count pain as a reason for joy. But we're to count it that way. This is strange advice the world doesn't understand, because they can't attain to it, but we can. It is our duty to consider the benefits and the results of temptations and trials in our lives, and therefore 
count those temptations and trials a joyful thing because without them, we could not reach the desired end that God has for us, and that's our perfection. You can be improved better with adversity than you can be with prosperity. I read in the Word of God that Jeshurun, that's a name for Israel, Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. When God blessed Israel with prosperity, it did them little good. They kicked in rebellion, thinking that they could live any which way they chose, and God would still be with them. But in their times of adversity, what would they do? They would call upon the Lord and beg Him for mercy and forgiveness once again. And so I tell you, we can be made better as children of God by our loving Father when He sends us trials rather than when He sends us blessings. And if we were wise, we'd be able to say the trials are blessings because they make us better and perfect us and we can give greater glory to God. Did you hear our brother Bruce read Genesis chapter 22? When we get to that 12th verse, the angel of the Lord cries out from heaven and says, Don't touch your son Isaac. Now I know that you fear me because you have not withheld your only son from me. And this is a way that we show God that... We do truly fear Him, love Him, and want to serve Him when we endure the trials that He sends us and we endure them with joy because we trust His Word that they're making us better and that He is pleased by our response. Job, when he began in Job chapter 1, counted them all joy, didn't he? Oh, yes, he mourned at the same time. He rent his clothes and he fell on the ground, but he worshipped. And he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. We shall not get out of this lesson today without realizing those words again. Because as the flower of the grass and the wonderful design of it perishes under the hot sun, so does a rich man's wealth and his fashion in this world. And Job said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he worshipped him there. And he did not charge God foolishly. And what this lesson is for is that we do not ever charge God foolishly for the temptations that come into our lives. We can charge him that we don't like them, that it's not fair, that it's unreasonable, that it's unkind, that it's cruel on his part. And so James is going to correct that right here. And in a few verses him that he's responsible for the sins that result from temptations he puts in front of us, and he's going to correct us from that error as well. Let no man say when he is tempted that he's tempted of God. We will have a theology lesson before we get out of today, and it's inspired theology. God cannot be tempted with evil, and neither tempteth he any man. I'll tell you where all your sins come from, no matter what circumstances he puts in your life. They come out of your own heart and the lusts that are contained there that are ready to burst forth into flames if it weren't for the grace of God restraining you. Let us not charge God foolishly. Job didn't. He counted his trials to be a thing fitting to God. When Mrs. Job came along, and oh, the last straw is always for the devil to use your spouse against you. You know, Mrs. Job came along and looked at Job in all of his misery because of his horrible situation. He had lost everything. And she said, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Oh, praise the Lord. Could we have that said about us? Could we have that said that we're still retaining our integrity even if we lost everything? Curse God and die was her advice. And she said, oh, he said, you speak like one of the foolish women speak. Shall we not receive evil and good at the hands of God? God has sent us great blessings and now he's taken them away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm not going to curse him. You're speaking like a fool. And brethren, don't speak or think like a fool. Count it all joy. Every single one of you right now have several temptations in your life. And I have them in mind. They stress me. They press me. They discourage me. They push me. They provoke me. You have them. Count it all joy. Because if you will endure, if you will bear up under those temptations and all they are, 
are little pop quizzes and tests coming from the God of heaven. If you'll bear up under them and pass them, God will make you perfect through the trial. He'll teach you real wisdom. And you will receive a crown of life when you stand before Him. Because blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love Him. That's verse 12. Those are a lot of good blessings. So let's count it all joy. If I were to give you a moment of silence right now, could you come up with two or three temptations that are facing you? Or have you already done that without a moment of silence? They're there. I can look out and see your faces, and I know temptations and trials and difficulties that face you. And I only know part of them. You know them. Your soul knows them and your spirit knows them. Count it all joy, because that is how God is perfecting you. The degree of joy about anything should be in proportion to the value of that given thing. And so when the Holy Spirit tells us, count it all joy, we need to understand that there must be something incredibly valuable on the other end of these temptations. And sure enough, we've read the words. Perfect and entire, wanting nothing. For God to say of me, Jonathan Crosby is perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And then to tell me how he gets me there, I should count that process with all joy when it comes into my life. And you should do the same. Can we agree to do the same? Can we count it all joy when difficulties come into our lives? What is more valuable than complete perfection? What could possibly bring more joy than knowing something is making you perfect. James is going to tell us that these temptations teach us patience. These temptations make us perfect. These temptations give us the real opportunity for wisdom, and they bring a crown of life in the end. That's quite a combination. Let me cheat and go ahead for a moment. You know, we look at the word wisdom in verse 5, and we don't want to first think about that as wisdom in general, But first, we want to think about it as wisdom in handling difficulties. Oh, we all aspire to have that wisdom where men would sit at our feet like they did Job and Solomon and beg for a word or two that would drop from our lips that would solve all their problems. Oh, we want that so much. We want to be known as a walking tree of life. That the rest of the church can walk up to and pick the fruit and take a juicy bite out of our wisdom and be blessed. But when we really look at verse 5 in its context, it's knowing the power of right judgment and knowing God and His will in the face of difficulties that are pressing you flat. And that's a different kind of wisdom. And that's a wisdom we may need to beg for. But we want to count it all joy when we fall into divers' temptations. You know, God tempted Abraham with Isaac. And that was a pretty severe temptation. The Bible says God tempted Abraham. We had that read to us in Genesis 22 in the first verse. God tempted Abraham by arranging the circumstances where He called for Abraham to offer His only son his only begotten son through Sarah, as a sacrifice. What did he do? He rose up early in the morning. And I I heard some of your amens at that expression, that he rose up early in the morning. He didn't put it off. He didn't sleep in that day, grieving in his bed, because God was asking so much of him. He rose up early in the morning. Now, Hollywood has tried, in their folly, to reach all market niches, to make as much money from the American public as possible, to produce a few religious movies. And one of theirs is called the Ten Commandments. And if you were to watch the Ten Commandments and see the life of Abraham, I believe it's the Ten Commandments, even though the Ten Commandments pertain to Moses, it starts with Abraham, you will see Abraham going into the woods and throwing a temper tantrum when God asks him to offer Isaac, his son, as a sacrifice. But that isn't what the Bible teaches. They're totally mis- That's how they respond to troubles and trials. But we do not respond that way. We want to respond this way. Count it all joy. Each of you, right now to be perfect, to be noble, to be great, to be virtuous, 
in the sight of God, in the face of those temptations that are pressing you, can you count them all joy that God has arranged each one of them for your perfection? Oh, brethren, do it. Do it. This is the advice that the Lord's giving us this morning. Paul learned to glory. Do you know what he said after he prayed three times for that thorn in the flesh to leave him? And the Lord said, I'm not going to take it away, but I will give you grace for it. And Paul, I want you to know that my strength is revealed in a more glorious display when you're weak. Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. When he understood this lesson, and a little bit more that God added to it in 2 Corinthians 12, he said, most gladly, therefore do I glory. Can you be like Paul? I know that some of you have said to me you would like to be like Paul. Well, to be like Paul means we need to gladly, gladly glory in the afflictions he sends us. He taught the Romans to glory in their tribulations, just like James here. If you'll hold your hand at James 1, let's look at Romans chapter 5 and compare spiritual things with spiritual and see our brother Paul's words to the Roman saints. (coughs) And see if they do not ring very similar to these words in James 1. Each of you have temptations. You have troubles, difficulties, pressures, or stresses, or trials in your lives. In your life, each one of you has. Take those right now and understand that they are for your perfection by an infinitely wise God who knows your heart better than anyone else, including you, knows it. And He is perfecting you. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. If you think you have none right now, you will have some soon. Because many are the afflictions of the righteous. Romans chapter 5. Paul has explained in the first verse that there is a subjective justification based on our faith in verse 1. He has explained in verse 2 that there is also a practical enjoyment of blessings now of the glory of God through that vehicle of faith as well. And then in verse 3 he says this, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Here's a little fuller explanation. We glory in our tribulations, because those tribulations bring about patience. Patience brings about some experience in how to live the Christian life. That experience at living the Christian life in a way that pleases God brings about a greater measure of hope because the Lord delivers us from all those tribulations. In such a good and glorious way, we expand in our hope of the glory of God and of our future deliverance. And our hope never leaves us ashamed because God the Holy Spirit sheds abroad in our hearts the fact that God loves us. And He sheds that abroad when we endure those tribulations and glory in them. Because that pleases God, and so He gives us an added measure of the Holy Spirit to comfort us that we are indeed His children, and He sheds abroad in our hearts that God loves us. And though we be pressed, He loves us, and He will deliver us. I would say we should glory in our tribulations. If tribulations lead to patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope leads to never being ashamed because God the Holy Spirit gives us a fuller measure of the love of God for us, I would say we should glory in our tribulations. Let's come back to James chapter 1. Yes, thank you, Brother Paul. We can compare spiritual things with spiritual and see even more powerfully that we should rejoice. And let me throw in another little benefit. When we get to chapter 5, James is going to tell us himself in verse 11, Brethren, there's another reward. Haven't you seen the patience of the prophets and of Job? That the Lord is very tender and pitiful. And what does he mean by that? He means that he's read the last couple of verses of Job, that Job got everything doubled back to him in the end. Brethren, the Lord is good here and in the hereafter. Let's trust Him. Let's count it all joy when He presses us a little. 
None of you are wearing gold that hasn't been pressed. All the, any gold that we might be wearing, I don't care if it's cheap 10 carat, better 14 carat, or the pure stuff itself, 24 carat, it's been pressed. And by press, I mean it's been put under the fire and heat of refiners in order to burn out the impurities and make it better. And so, as we are thankful that gold reaches certain levels of purity and value because of a fire, we should be thankful for the fire that God brings into our lives at times that makes us better. We should count it all joy. We should want to be 24-carat Christians. And do you know what 24-carat requires? A hotter flame! Because you need to get out those impurities that, that abide. The flame that only gets you to 14-carat. Are you with me? Are you with the Lord? And what He's saying to us this morning from James chapter 1. We cannot race over these words. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Now, no one says we fall into them. We don't go looking for them. We don't go asking for them. Unless you're very bold in your faith. Oh, you don't want to ask the Lord to bring trials and temptations unless you're really bold. And you feel that you really have some needs in your life of some purifying. We fall into them. We fall into them. But I want to comfort you with this. There's a God in heaven. And though the righteous may fall, not a bone is broken. We read from Psalm 34 and verse 20. Not a bone is broken. And let me give you some more comfort. Not a hair of your head is lost. From Matthew chapter 10. Let me give you some more comfort. The Lord said, not a sparrow in the heavens falls without your heavenly Father overseeing that event. And He comforts us by saying, and ye are of more value than many sparrows. So when we fall into these temptations, it's not fate controlling them. It's not coincidental of what is happening. It is providential. God has arranged them. God has designed it for you. It's perfect for you. He does not try you with other men's temptations. If two men have similar temptations in some particular area, it's only because both of them need that temptation. He doesn't get mixed up when he's doling out temptations. He knows your heart and what will perfect you faster than anything else. I have learned that in my time. I know that from the Bible because the Bible gives God the credit And I give him all this credit as well as being infinitely wise. He knows my heart. He searches my heart and reins. And he can pull a rug out from underneath me faster than anything you could ever do to me. And he's done it before. He's left me totally helpless, trembling, and waiting upon him. But as long as we're trembling and waiting upon him, it's a good thing. And sometimes he's brought me to the place where I've told him, if this is what you must do to get me to my knees, totally trusting you and counting it all joy, then be merciful, but bring it on. If this is what it takes, bring it on. But I've told you before, you ought to learn your lessons fast when you're dealing with the Lord so that He'll lift that rod. He'll lift that refiner's fire. We fall into them because God arranges and controls all. So we do not fall by fate. We do not fall coincidentally. It's God's orderly government of the trials that come our way. It says that there are divers' temptations that we fall into. Divers, we would say diverse or diverse today, meaning different or various temptations. He has all sorts I want you to ask yourself, are you being pressed a little? Are you being troubled a little about your finances? Are you scared a little? How about your health? Do you have some health fears or some health troubles? How about business difficulties, pressures, trials? How about employment issues with your job? How about family conflict with in-laws or with children? How about strained relationships? Marital stress. Personal enemies you may have in or out of the church. Disappointments in your life. Confusion at some of the dilemmas facing you. Persecution for trying to take a stand for righteousness. 
infirmities in your mind, soul, or body. Bereavement. Someone has died. Someone has left you. Reproaches. Someone's making fun of you, ridiculing you. Necessities. Distresses. These are Bible words. Bible examples of temptations that face men. And the verse tells us here, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Different and various temptations. Because out of that list, and God's list is much greater than that little sample list, God is able to bring temptations to try you. Count them all joy. Glory in them. Gladly glory in them like our brother Paul did. Remember, rebelling against those temptations, grieving over those temptations, getting bitter over those temptations doesn't make them go away faster. It makes them go away slower. And while they're still upon you, you're hurting more because you're turning it into a negative event. You win in every respect if you will count it all joy. If you will look at it and say, Thank you, Lord. I know that this comes from Your hand. And while it is painful, and while I wish You would lift it, sound like David in Psalm 43, I will yet joy and trust in You. Send forth Your light and Your truth. Lead me through this dark storm upon my sea of life. And have mercy upon me, but my hope is in You. And I know that You are the health of my countenance. And I shall yet praise You forever. That's how we should face them. I hope you understand that God can try you and bring you to your knees. He knows you. He knows all the thoughts and intents of your heart. Everything inside you is naked and open under the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. He has all power in arranging circumstances to test you in any part of your soul or mind or body. Finances. He sees and knows it all. But He'll never tempt you beyond your ability to escape. So you should keep counting it all joy. Don't despair when a temptation comes because He never brings it without a way of escape. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to remind you of this promise and you may get reminded of it more than once today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We need to remember this promise. It girds us up. It provides a net, a safety net below us. That we should never mistrust or fear God bringing temptations into our lives. 1 Corinthians 10.13 There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Sometimes you may feel that yours are worse than others, but the Bible corrects you. You're just looking at it in a selfish way. You haven't been blessed more than others yet. Your temptation is common. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. That is comforting. God is faithful. The men around you may not be, but God is faithful. And if they're the instruments of the temptation He's bringing you, it doesn't matter. He is still faithful. He will not tempt you above your ability. And He will provide with the temptation a way to escape it that you can bear it. This is the promise of God. The promise to Paul, when he could not and did not have the thorn in his flesh removed, was that God would give him grace to bear it. He gave him a way of escape. And that was grace to look at it in a different light and to be thankful for it and to gladly rejoice in it. Can you see the testing of Joseph? Did Joseph endure and learn patience? Did Joseph become a perfect man? Do we look at Joseph as one of those great heroes of the faith? He did. But he faced some very difficult temptations. But in each case, he responded in a godly way. He counted it joy. He endured it. He didn't fight it, get bitter, nor grieve over it. And the Lord made him great in the end. We see Daniel... Daniel was taken in his youth from among his people, castrated as a eunuch for the king Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonian Empire and had to serve pagan kings the rest of his life. He was tried in numerous cases. But he counted it all joy 
and responded in a godly way, and we look at him as one of the heroes of our faith. Thank you, Lord, for such good examples that are given to us in the Bible. God's chastening is proof of his love toward us. He wants you to grow up. You know, parents require things of their children that the child does not understand nor appreciate. Making their bed, bathing, bringing their toys in out of the rain and putting them in the garage, doing their homework and other tasks that parents assign because they want to make that child better. And so the Lord brings us assignments, and the assignment is, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Which brings us to the next verse. Knowing this, here's how we can count it all joy based on the knowledge that God gives us. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Patience is endurance. Now we can define it with the Bible. We can define it right here in James chapter 1. In verse 12 it says, Blessed is the man that has patience. Or does it say, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. And so the Bible defines what patience means. We tend to think in our use of the word that patience means to wait. But patience means to endure and to bear up under temptations, just like the 12th verse defines it for us. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. We're to know something. Your Father in heaven has not asked you in the second verse to count pain a joy without explaining why. Isn't that wonderful? I believe that the God of heaven could tell us to count it joy and end verse 2 and leave out verse 3. But in His kindness, He explains why. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Your religion, your fear of me, your love of me, I try it and I want you to bear up and show me just how much you love me and fear me by putting up and enduring the temptations I send you. Knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. We could count our temptations all joy by using some of man's natural ways of surviving. The natural man tries to be a survivor. He hates. He gets angry. He gets bitter. He blames others. He gets envious. But we're not to use any of those means. The means that we're to use to count trials and tribulations joy is given to us in the third verse. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. God wants to teach us patience, which is enduring because of our trust in Him. It's not just enduring. It's the trying of your faith. It's enduring faithfully. It's enduring with faith in God. It is being like David in Psalm 43 and saying, hope in God. Not hope in man. Not, I've got another, I've got enough other good things going on in my life that I'll just ignore this bad thing going on in my life. That is natural reasoning. We're to look at the bad thing going on in our life and look at it as God's providential dealing with us to make us better and to count it all joy. And to do it because it works patience. It teaches us patience, which is enduring, which is something very precious in the sight of God. For us to say, I love the Lord, when He's pouring out blessings in every part of your life, is very cheap. But to say, I love the Lord, when He's hammering you in various parts of your life, that is very meaningful to the God of heaven. And that is patience. And that is the trying of your faith. And that's what we want to look for. What are those things God is using to press me? Am I thankful for them? Am I knowing that they are to teach me patience? And because of that, am I counting them With all joy. Trying your faith is bringing about events in your life that would tend to make weak faith depart from God. That would tend to overthrow weak faith. Trying your faith is bringing up some tests to see if you really believe in God. If you really trust in Him. If you really have hope in Him. And so He presses you with circumstances that it might appear that God's forsaken you. And did not David say that? Why have you cast me off? Because it appeared 
that God had cast him off and was no longer blessing him. But notice, he did not despair. He said, I'm going to hope in God because I know that He'll restore me. I know that He's the health of my countenance. Though the circumstances looked like God was being unfaithful toward him, he knew by faith that God would deliver him. Oh, and God did deliver him. If it was King Saul, he took over King Saul's whole house and palace and ruled Israel for 40 years. If it was Absalom, Absalom was killed, contrary to his wishes, and David took his throne once again. The Lord delivered David. But he put his trust in the Lord, even though his faith was being tried. When we see, when we see an event come into someone's life and they end up getting angry at God, that is a horrible response. Never get angry with God. Everything you have in this life, God gave you, and it is His right to take it away. Amen. You didn't bring anything into this world and you're not taking anything out. Give God the glory for anything you have. Those that end up hating God or getting angry at God are so untaught and so wicked in their hearts, count it all joy. Because you should know something. He told us. He explained it. The trying of your faith worketh patience. He's trying to teach you patience. And patience is learning to endure because you trust in God. Do you remember going to work in 1 Peter chapter 2? Going to work in 1 Peter 2. Peter tells us there, that if you have a good and gentle boss and you're a good employee, you haven't done nothing. But, he says, if you have a forward master and for conscience toward God, you endure grief wrongfully, suffering wrongfully. You're being mistreated. But you endure that because of conscience toward God you have done something thankworthy. That is worthy of praise. Without adversity, you cannot truly show your Christianity. I try to comfort employees with that all the time. Instead of being discouraged when you have an overbearing boss, get excited. You're doing something now that will get you a promotion from heaven. Because the Lord Himself says, this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God will endure grief, suffering wrongfully under a froward master. If you're being a good employee under a good and gentle boss, so what? The natural men know how to do that. And so we look for the trying of our faith because the trying of our faith works real patience. It shows whether we really have a conscience toward God or not. Some men are overthrown. Some men, a negative event happens in their life and they turn their backs on God. They never, they never had faith to begin with, or their faith is incredibly weak, and God is going to chasten them for it more severely than they thought when they turned their back on Him. Oh, we want to count it all joy. And in verse 4, it says, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You let patience have her perfect work. This is something you do. That is an imperative verb there. But let patience... Let patience do something to you. Submit to it in a way that it can bear its fruit. Don't fight it. Don't resent it. Don't blame God. Don't get bitter. Don't get discouraged. Don't get disillusioned. Don't lose your faith. Submit to it. Count it all joy. Understand it. Thank the Lord for it. Bear up under it. Face it boldly in the power of Christ. Let it, let temptations and patience have her perfect work. Let her do the complete job. If you fight it, you're going to be miserable while you're fighting it, and you won't obtain the end result of learning patience fully. So don't fight it. Welcome it. Submit to it. Cheerfully understand its design. Let patience have her perfect work. Temptations may destroy and wreck many other men's lives, but that should never happen to saints. You must guard against any complaining. Don't complain about these things in your life. That's not letting patience have her perfect work. God wants to see if you will endure without complaining. Guard against complaining, despair, discouragement, envy, murmuring, rebellion, or resentment. Don't blame God for good things that He's sending into your life to make you better. I call them good things even though they're bad things. 
because they have a good design. And if God says they have a good design, then they are truly good things. Our goal is to learn patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Can a Christian truly take pain with joy? Yes. And it's a true measure of Christianity. What are your temptations today? You have some. Everyone has some. Count them all joy. Endure them. Don't don't fight them. Don't fight them. Take them. Thank God for them. Count them all joy. Respond with David's hope. Lord, it looks like you've left me for a while, but I know better than that. I know that you are ever faithful. My hope is in you, and I know you'll restore me, and I know you'll deliver me. You may even take me a mile deeper in this trial and tribulation, but I know you'll deliver me. Remember Jacob wrestling with an angel? He thought he was making some pretty good progress holding on all night long. And then the angel of the Lord touched his thigh, and he had one of the strongest muscles and joints of his body out of joint. Things went from bad to worse. You know, it was Esau coming with 400 men, and now he was a cripple trying to wrestle with a pretty powerful angel. Things went from bad to worse. But in the end, there's deliverance. Your name shall be called Israel, because as a prince, you have prevailed with God. You know how much I love that story. As a child, I didn't understand how a man could whip God in a wrestling match. But do you know why? Because God's made himself vulnerable to us when we lay hold of him by faith and hope. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. The Lord loves faith like that. Even while his, even while his leg goes out of joint and the strong, one of the strongest muscles of his body is rendered useless, I will not let you go until you bless me. Oh, can you say that? Can you go home today? Can you say it right now in your PU? I know I've got temptations, Lord, but I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me and deliver me. I want to go into your house. You are my exceeding joy. You are my God. There is nothing else for me in this universe. And with Job say, though you slay me, yet will I trust in you. Oh, that's good. That's good. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Here's what he wants. Here's what the perfection looks like in English print. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 17, is one of the most glorious sentences ever written in the English language. It's a long one. And we've used it before because it's so long, it's so full. Do you remember one evening service we had years ago where we took Colossians 1, 9 through 17 and broke down one sentence to look at all the blessings and benefits in it? Let's just look at verse 11. Let's get verse 10 as well. Well, let's get verse 9 because it has the word wisdom. I'm sorry. Before I'm done, I'll be reading the whole sentence. Colossians 1, 9 through 11. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is the wisdom of James 1.5. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, Unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks. That's where the Lord wants to lead us. And that is real wisdom and spiritual understanding. To take negative events in your life and to rise above them by the power of God and the faith that He gives us in His Word and by His Spirit to count them all joy so that we can end up in all long-suffering and patience with joyfulness giving thanks to God. This is our goal. Back to James chapter 1. Let patience have her perfect work. Responding with faith and joy, patience will lead to experience and hope. 
What will experience and hope give you? God will flood your soul with an understanding that you are His child and that He loves you. You fight those temptations, you grieve and quit the Holy Spirit, and you end up miserable. You can be happiest, even in times of affliction, by responding properly to the temptation. Count it all joy. He'll give you joy while you count it joy. As it leads to hope, He'll show you His love. If you fight Him, if you fight the trials, if you get bitter over them, if you blame God for them, He'll take away any joy that you think you had. He'll leave you miserable because you will never find rest nor peace in this life until you rest entirely upon Him and trust Him with all that you have and in the face of any negativity or difficulty that your trust is in Him. He'll, he will teach you that lesson. The goal for saints is to become joyful in all patience and long-suffering. If we faint in the day of adversity, what does the Bible tell us in Proverbs 24 and verse 10? Our strength is small. And what strength is, is really the issue? Our faith. Our faith is small if we faint in the day of adversity. Adversity is to prove how great of Christians we are. Not for the praise of ourselves, but for the praise of God. For the comfort of our souls. For the proof of our eternal life. Do you want to know that you have eternal life? Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Paul might have been cast down as we sang before I came into the pulpit, but he was not destroyed. He was not destroyed. He might have been perplexed. He wasn't in despair. He endured. And your resume doesn't look anything like his. Your resume is filled with promotions and blessings. And his is filled with trials and tribulations. Second Corinthians 11 describes it. Look at 1 Thessalonians 1. Do you want to know that you're a child of God? Look at the description. Verse 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. That verse ends with a period. Some men read verse 4 and connect it to verse 5. The knowledge that these Thessalonian saints were the elect of God is based on verse 3. And in verse 3 we find the work of faith, the labor of love, and the patience of hope. They weren't just singing about the hope of heaven. They were showing that they had hope in it by the way they endured the troubles and persecutions that they did in Thessalonica. This is how we know that we're elect of God, is by the work of faith. Not just faith that says, I believe, but belief that results in obeying God through good works and faithfulness in spite of adversity. It's the labor of love. It's not just saying, I love the brethren, but showing that love by diligent deed and truth through service. And then it's patience of hope. It's not just hoping in glory. It's not just hoping in God's deliverance, but patiently enduring difficulties and trials because of that hope which is the patience of hope. And so James is telling us to let patience have her perfect work, that we may be perfect in entire full Christian maturity. Peter said, to make your calling and election sure, do you want to know that you're the elect of God? To make your calling and election sure, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, patience. Add to faith patience. These are things that we're to be adding to our Christian experience, to our Christian character, to our Christian conduct. And by so doing, we can lay hold of the fact that we are a child of God because we have patiently endured difficulties in the name of God, trusting in God, and still counting Him our exceeding joy. Turn to Luke chapter 21, and with this verse, we'll close... This first service, Luke chapter 21. 
If patience is the most difficult Christian grace to develop, then we must let it develop. And there's only one way to let it develop. Let patience have her perfect work. Do not fight the trials and tribulations in your life. Submit to them. Thank God for them. Count them all joy. Remember their design. Remember their end. Get excited about them. Treat them the way God wants you to treat them. Rise up early in the morning and go about your tasks just like Abraham did. The Lord Jesus Christ told His apostles in verse 16, Ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not an hair of your head perish. A skeptic would say, we have a contradiction in these verses. But there's no permanent damage to a child of God. Everything is preserved and kept and will be safe in heaven. There's no lasting damage. Even our bodies sleep in Jesus and shall be delivered fully into His presence, glorified forever. And he says in verse 19, In your patience, possess ye your souls. In your patience, possess ye your souls. Get a hold of your soul and hold on to it, brethren. The Lord is going to send temptations. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. It's going to cause your soul to tremble. Your soul will be tempted to despair. Your soul will be tempted to depart from the living God. But in your patience, possess ye your souls. Take a hold of them. Control them. Count it all joy that you're falling into divers' temptations because the Lord is perfecting you. He's promised these things. He's told us their purpose. He'll bless that purpose if we'll let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire. A complete, mature, noble Christian earning the praise of our Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. How? By enduring all patience, by having all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. This is a lesson. You will face temptations many times. Lay hold of James 1, 2 through 4. You have temptations now in your life. Let's face each one of them this way. By counting it all joy, knowing what its end result is, and letting it have that work of making us perfect and complete, wanting nothing. May Jesus Christ be praised as we conform more and more unto His image. Because I promise you, He endured everything with joy toward God and looking for that joy that was set before Him in heaven. And he never despaired. He went even to the cross for us. Right. And I'm telling you, by the, th- by the promise of Psalm 16, he is enjoying pleasures at the right hand of God forevermore for his obedience under trials. Will you count it all joy? Let's move to that higher threshold, that higher level, by showing our Christianity through its greatest test. And those are temptations and difficulties that God sends our way. May Jesus Christ be praised by His Word.